Well, hello and welcome back to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman. I'm the pastor of Valley Christian Fellowship in Longview, Washington. And I'm so excited to have you join us again as we just take the next chapter in our reading plan and we take a little bit of time to, to think deeply about some of the content uh, from the scripture. And uh, and what we really do is we're looking for uh, the ancient way, the, the ancient way for our modern day. How do we live according to the word of God in the world that we live in today? And today, if you've been following along, we are in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And it's another great chapter that is, again, in a section that is, it is working hard. Matthew is working hard to demonstrate not only that Jesus is the king of the Jews, but specifically from like chapter 8 to chapter 11, he, he is showing the power of King Jesus. Last, uh, last time we saw that Jesus had power over the demonics, that Jesus had power over nature, that Jesus has power over sickness. That continues in chapter 9. In chapter 9, we also see that Jesus, uh, he resurrects someone. Um, pretty amazing. Like he has power over death. But what I want to do today is I want to take a little bit of time to look at the the very first um, segment of, of chapter nine, and I want to compare it to a, a segment we had in chapter eight. I want to do a little, little bit of compare and contrast. And so in chapter nine, you begin with Jesus healing a paralytic. Now it's in the context of, of Jesus saying to this man before he heals him that his sins are forgiven. His sins are forgiven. Now, chapter 9, verse 3, you have some of the scribes, the religious leaders, the uh, the bigwigs, the muckety-mucks, the, uh, the, those who have maybe the, the spiritual authority, those who have prestige and power. You, you have some of these guys, and they, uh, they kind of like whisper, like, they're like, hey, this guy is, uh, he's blaspheming. Can you believe what he said? This guy said that that man's sins are forgiven. How dare he? So, they're not on the Jesus train. They are they are antagonistic toward Jesus. Jesus hears this. Jesus understands this. He uh, he knows their thoughts is actually what the text says in, in verse four. And so look at verses four through six. It says, "But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say rise and walk?" but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Now this is, this is interesting because these scribes, these are the guys that know the old Testament scripture. These are the guys that are, that they should be waiting at the, like the front of the line, looking for the Messiah. He's right in front of them. And they're so hung up on their religiosity, they miss him. They can't see <clears throat> something amazing is standing right before him because I think because they're, they're so into themselves. They're so into their tradition. They're so into the, the way life is meant to work for them as Jews who they've got power. They've got authority. Now, these guys should know the Messiah. They should see him before anyone else. But but I want you to remember chapter eight because chapter eight, I only mentioned it yesterday. I wanted to save it for today. I wanted to do a little compare and contrast. Chapter eight, you have a centurion. This is a, a Roman soldier. And look at how the Roman soldier approaches Jesus. He, he comes to Jesus asking for Jesus's help in healing a servant that is a paralytic. Look at his word. Look at the, look at the centurion's 
humility before Jesus. And then keep in mind these scribes and their arrogance before Jesus. They're, they're accusing Jesus of blasphemy. But look at, look at what the centurion says, verses eight and nine of, of chapter eight. He says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. This centurion gets it. He understands Jesus has has the authority. In fact, verse 13 says, and the centurion, he says, to G, or, and to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as, for, excuse me, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. When Jesus says the word, he demonstrates his authority. He shows that he's able to heal this servant, even though he's not there. Now again, remember the scribes are with Jesus. They have a paralytic in front of them and they're whispering to themselves, Jesus is a blasphemer. These guys that should be at the front of the line waiting for the Messiah, they miss him. And then the centurion, who is considered a, an opposition to the Jewish people, he's a Roman occupier. He gets it. He, he sees that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, Jesus' words, verses 10 through 12 of, of chapter 8, says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, into the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the contrast between those who are religiously in, who miss the point, and those who are religiously out, who are included. They see Jesus for who he is. Because here's what I think. I think sometimes 21st century American Christianity, right? Like, like we, we could potentially miss the point. We can become like the scribes where we are so, uh, I guess, so full of ourselves, so um, so focused on our ability to be good, on our ability to be moral, on our ability to be uh, you know like uh, goody two shoes. I don't I don't know. You fill in the blank. But but we can be so focused on what we have going right for ourselves that we can miss we can miss really Jesus in front of us. And then the centurion who he is excluded. He is, he is a foreigner. He is, he is not someone to be concluded in the people of God. He, he sees Jesus for who he is. I think the difference here is the humility of the centurion and the pride of the religious leaders. I think this is a line I think we should draw in our own hearts and minds for ourselves. We need to be checking ourselves saying, am I, am I being humble in, in the, the th- spiritual things about my approach to the Bible, my approach to Jesus, my approach to the church? Am I being humble or am I being self-righteous? Am I being arrogant? Am I being self-absorbed? I think this is really uh, an important lesson for us today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you, if you are someone who has trusted in Jesus, in his death and in his resurrection, we need to constantly be growing in our humility. We need to recognize that, that the power is Jesus's, the authority is Jesus's. And so we need to be humble before him, recognizing we, we've got very little to offer. And what we do offer 
ends up being not even our own. It ends up being Jesus himself. And so let this propel you specifically into your interactions with other people. As we go out into the world and, and as we are witnesses, as we share the gospel, as we live the Christian life, let's be careful not to be, uh, not to be arrogant, not to be presumptuous, but instead let's be careful to be humble and gentle. And in our humility and in our gentleness, let's look for the opportunities to share the truth that Jesus is the true authority because Jesus is the true king. He is the savior. And maybe we can start to invite other people to walk these ancient ways for our modern days alongside of us. You know, this chapter nine ends with Jesus saying that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let us be like those who understand this, who see ourselves as workers in the great harvest of the lostness of humanity. Let's be those who are constantly in humility, calling others to come know King Jesus, the Savior.